0: Welcome to Just Say It, a podcast produced by and recorded at Tri State Worship Center. Now, here are your hosts, Allison Gardner and Pastor Terry Wagner.
1: Hey, 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 everybody. Welcome back to the Just Saying Podcast. Hey, I like the way you said that. <laughs> I wanted to try something Fat different.
2: You probably don't. And, don't... You're, and we're probably not allowed to say Fat Albert now because that's someone going to get offended. That's true. Hmm? Never mind. Should we restart this? <laughs> <laughs> no.
1: I had a cute intro. Oh, I like sorry. that one. All right. No, it was
2: do, good. I do, liked it. Was that it? Was that all of it or was there more to it?
1: I mean, I was going to say that I'm Allison Gardner and I'm here with my pastor, Terry Wagner. Hello, everybody. <laughs> and we're you? Yep, you should here.
2: definitely say that. Yeah. Make sure to introduce me.
1: <laughs> I always do. I know. She's, We're bit, all, she's very polite. Yes. Yes. We're also here with our sound magician, <laughs> Tyler State.
0: Thank you. Thank you.
1: You're welcome. I try to, like, use a different What's title for you every time. pull a rabbit out of time? my hat? Oh, can we? Like, we need... Okay, we so can. that'll be, we like, could, We could say that
2: I did it. They nobody, really yeah, never know. Yeah, can yeah. see it.
1: Future idea wow, for Wow, Tyler, when we how
2: film? did you pull that rabbit out of your hat just now? <laughs> it's magic. It is.
1: Yes, you know. <laughs> I was literally about to, but I didn't know if you guys would would get it. So. I didn't. <laughs> really? No. Oh, oh, oh! It's magic. Oh,
2: okay. Yeah. It's, it, you know. Well, and I know that uh, Keegan. I asked him, my youngest grandson. I asked him the other day. I was like, "Hey, what's your favorite song?" Yeah. And he says, "Oh, oh, oh, <laughs> Ozempic," which is a commercial. <laughs> right? I was like, "That's not really the song, Keegan. It's it's a different song." <laughs> Okay, let oh, let Pops teach cute. you. Them. Yeah. <laughs> let me show you something.
1: <laughs> well, today,
2: this is, this has been probably oh, the yeah. most interesting oh, story podcast I forgot. Yes,
1: yes. <laughs> so today, we are continuing season 2. We've been talking about faith this season. Lots of, you know, basic doctrine stuff that we've been discussing, going through. Um, we've also been talking about how uh, a lot of people view God in a wrong way and how uh, Christianity can come across as something that it's not. So, we're going to jump on that today again and talk about the church.
2: Boom, boom, boom.
1: Yes, every time. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, specifically, we're talking about why the church is resistible. First of all, would you say that the church is resistible?
2: uh, Andy Stanley wrote Mm -hmm. a book called Irresistible, okay? And his whole theme through the book is if Jesus was so irresistible, why has his church become so resistible? Mm. You know, when Jesus was able to attract people from all walks of life, all cultures, all nationalities, uh, but somehow, in the last two thousand years, the church that supposedly represents Jesus has not done such a good job of that, and has become resistible rather than irresistible.
1: Hmm. All right. So that's
2: kind of where where, where, I, came where I was from. thinking. Yeah,
1: yeah. it's yeah. good. It's good back background. Well, you're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> wrong order of that but right. anyway tyler
2: can fix it he's a magician
1: <laughs> yeah so um let's just start talking about church so why why would it be necessary why do we say that it's necessary to be a part of a church body
2: well i think the short answer is because the bible says so again looking through looking at the issues of faith through the lens of scripture there's a scripture in the bible in hebrews chapter 11 I think, 25, 25, 1025, which simply says, let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. So some would say, well, uh, Hebrews 1025 is only in there one time, but so is you must be born again. So if we're going to say the importance of a scripture is based on the number of times it's repeated, then that then both of those will fall flat so simple fact is we we believe that the church is necessary because the bible says it's necessary jesus himself uh the bible says was his custom to go to church luke uh, four sixteen. when he came to the village of nazareth which was his boyhood home he went as usual to the synagogue and the word synagogue there is a gathering of people uh on the sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures so you know the the let me let me backtrack this a little bit, and I think there's two definitions of church. There is capital C church, which is the body of Christ globally, right? Represented in a lot of different flavors, if I could say it that way. But then there's the church, the ecclesia, that gathering of people, the called out ones, um, That that is where people come together in communities of faith. And so... Um, it's not just a building it's it's the people that are part of the global body but that make up local communities of faith and and you know you can go all the way back to the Old Testament, it started as a tent they call it the tent of meetings uh, as the children of Israel going into the uh, wilderness, they would carry this tent with them, set it up whenever they set camp. that's where they met God and then the tent became a temple. David wanted to build it God wouldn't let him David. Uh, collected everything up, but Solomon built the temple. Then the temple becomes synagogues because not everybody could travel hundreds of miles to a, the temple, so they began to set up some shorter distance places to gather. And then those synagogues, of course, became, in Christianity, uh, churches. And so why is it necessary to be part of a church? Is I think because the Bible says we should not neg- neglect Gathering together, and so that—that that was the short answer <laughs> of, of that question. Uh, and I know we're going to get into a lot of the other things that will refer back to that right, question. Why right. is it necessary?
1: <laughs> right. So, what exactly is the purpose of a church body?
2: Well, uh, again, I, looking at issue, issues of faith through the lens of Scripture, you go to Acts chapter two, verse forty-two. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. "...and to fellowship and to sharing meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer." So so there's your purpose right there. Mm-hmm. It is uh, simply to get together for teaching, for fellowship, for sharing of meals, and for prayer. And then verse 43 goes on to say, "...a deep sense of awe came over them all, and the, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything that they had, sold their property, their possessions, shared their money." Uh, with those in need, verse 46, they worshiped together. Again, this is just one passage of several that we could have picked. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God, enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. So the purpose of, of a church body would be to gather for teaching, fellowship, sharing of meals and prayer, but also for worship and for these other things that that, that passage just, just mentioned. And, you know, if I could go, if I could graph the decrease uh, in importance of the, of, of the church, the, the less important church has become, the greater increase we see of just unrest in so many different facets of life. I, if I could see that graph, I know that that's the conclusion it would come to. As the church decreased in importance in people's lives, mm-hmm. unrest increases mm-hmm. because the church was that place where people could go, be encouraged, be taught, pray together, worship together. Mm-hmm. But now it seems like everybody just wants to be on an island right. you know, by themselves. So what is the purpose of the church? It's it's to do those things.
1: Yeah, but we know that that— I, I don't know if I want to say the majority of the time, but I mean, maybe the majority of the time that we fall short of that.
2: Oh, absolutely. And the church
1: does not live up to the biblical standard of that. So why should we commit to a church body, um, to the church, if the system is so flawed? Um, You know, I feel like church... Uh, hurt is something that's thrown in a lot of Christians' faces um, mm-hmm. by people who are secular as um, a justification for mm-hmm. their hatred of Christianity. Um, you know, this happened to me when I was 12 years old, and so I'm never going to commit to this. So right. why, should, why should we rise above that?
2: Well, let me say that in no way, in no way, shape or form, am I saying that the church has got it right right now. Um, I think down through the years, due to compromise and tolerance and all these different things, I, I feel like now we need re- reformed. We need another Martin Luther to, to have another reformation. The problem with that, and this is this, I'm gonna get to your question in a mm-hmm. second. The problem with that is, is that we've had a lot of movements down through history that said that's what they were doing, right? The church has kind of gotten off track, you've kind of perverted. The Bible, and the Lord has given me something different, mm. right, to correct all that. And most of the time, that that's not, that's cough, not cough, uh, cough cough
1: Mormonism cough
2: cough LDS LDS LDS. Um, well, yeah, I mean, really, yeah, I mean, exactly. It, it's to to us sitting right here. I'm assuming mm-hmm. to the three of us to be told that uh, somebody buried some tablets on the backside mm-hmm. of a hill and then yeah. an angel was going to give you glasses so that you could interpret what those plates said mm-hmm. and that becomes a book yeah that we would consider the bible but but other belief another belief system <laughs> mormon you know have as their bible right, right? And, and we would think oh, that's crazy
1: yeah
2: but it, i think you have to stop long enough to say at least there was people who Who bought into, yeah, this, that's right. The church has become perverted. Yeah. It has become deluded. Is,
1: is it apostate? Is, that, is yeah. that the word? Yeah, a falling yeah. away. Because that's what yeah. Joseph Smith said. He right. said, you know, the church right now is you're all apostate and um, or apostates, whatever. Um, and, you know, you've got it completely wrong. So there yeah. must have been because Mormonism has such a huge following. Absolutely. So there must have been some form of flaw that people were seeing in the church. So yeah. that's why they decided to yeah. jump on this.
2: Well, and, and again, so I'm saying the church has, has not gotten it right down through the years that we are not the church that, that Jesus said we should be. But to use a phrase that we used a couple of episodes ago that Allison didn't, hadn't heard, you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. You know, you just, and, and so because I'm using that phrase, do we eliminate something good by getting rid of something bad? Right, I mean, do we reject the favorable along with the unfavorable? Do we get rid of it all mm-hmm. because there's elements of ugliness? Right, you know? yeah. And so that's the struggle. And, and that's, that's kind of where I want Tri-State Worship Center, just to put a plug in, a shameless plug <laughs> for our church. I, I want Tri-State Worship Center to be a first century church. Like, like what mm-hmm. Jesus wanted us to be. And, mm-hmm. and so why should someone commit to something that is flawed? Well, uh, we don't quit going to school because there's bullies, right. Right. right? I mean, we don't stop obeying the laws because there's criminals, and we don't stop working because there's difficult people, Right. I mean, saying that I'm not going to church because there's broken people there is like saying I'm not going to the gym because there's out-of-shape people there. Yeah.
1: yeah. If right? God believed right. that, he would have never used us in the first place. Exactly right.
2: Amen. So my passion as the pastor here at Tri-State Worship Center is, is to see the church restored um, to that church that, that was making the difference in the first century, a church that started out uh, as a small group of a bigger group, Uh, You know, they were a a faction or a sect, S-E-C-T, off of Judaism. Uh, Jesus himself was not a Christian. Uh, He was a Jew. He was born a Jew, lived a Jew, died as a Jew. But from that movement called Judaism came this little group of people that began to talk about the teachings of Jesus and and the kingdom. And from that, within 300 years, becomes the religion of Rome. Mm. Well, that didn't happen because people got hurt at church. Right. Right? It's, it's the story. I think I shared it from the pulpit a couple weeks ago, the story about the guy who was stranded on the island. Mm. And he, he's getting rescued. And the people come in. He goes, hey, I want to show you around. He goes, this is where I live. This is my house. He said, this is where I go to church. And so they say, well, what's that building over there? He goes, well, that's where I used to go to church. <laughs> you know, it, the church did not grow and and get established because people were being hurt and offended and ran right. off and so forth and so on. Yeah. So So we... Obviously, we, we've got some work to do, mm-hmm. but that's my passion. My passion is for us to be a church that encourages a saint, helps the hurting, and embraces all people. Yeah. And, and I think that's what the church was originally supposed to do, uh, but, but there were some things that got in the way, and I'm not going to get ahead of myself here. I'm going to stop right
1: there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the the church, in, the church in Acts, I mean, people didn't, people didn't church hunt
2: no. Oh, like there, what, there, if you
1: had a problem with the church in your area and if you were hurt, you stuck it out yeah. and you fixed it yeah. and you you stuck with your commitment. Um
2: I think th- and that's a great point Allison. Uh um, and, and I think the, that that came about the more we get selfish, mm-hmm. the more we think it's about us. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um God did not put us down here to make a big deal about us. He put us down here to make a big deal about him. Our purpose is to know him and to make him known. But somehow when I begin to think it's about me, I can let every little thing hurt me. I can, I, they don't sing the right songs. They don't sing the right style of music. They don't have, you know, King James only Bible. And we can get so self-centered yeah. and be egocentric rather than theocentric. And I think down through the years that that has really caused the gap from what it was to what it is.
0: Yeah, I think with instant gratification too. Oh my goodness! They, they, you come expecting something, which isn't bad. Mm -hmm. It's not you know it's if you're expecting the Lord to move in your life, that's a good thing. But I think a lot of people think that because I prayed and asked for it that it should happen tomorrow, and when it doesn't happen tomorrow or the next day. Or the next day, they they get a little sense of, well, if it hasn't happened now, yeah. you know, it's not going to happen at all or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. And so they... They move on to the next thing. But again, you know? and,
2: and you, you're exactly right. But again, I think that's that goes back to this thing called selfishness, yes. mm-hmm. right? I mean, all the way back to the garden. Original sin, as far as I'm concerned, is selfishness. You know, if you eat this apple, you can be like God. Mm, I want to be like God. Yeah. Well, that's selfish, right. right? Rather than let God be God and I'll be his creation. Uh, and so it's down through the years. Um, if I don't like the... The music, the chandeliers, the carpet, the pews, whatever—the the children's sound ministry, the <laughs> children's ministry, the sound <laughs> magician, the sound magician, uh, or the pastor, right? right? Yeah. yeah. Then I'm just going to collect my goods up and go shop somewhere else, mm-hmm. right? And and I don't think that's like you said, very beginning part of this part of the conversation. That's not that wasn't an option mm-hmm. in the first century. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you couldn't go to the first church of. Yeah. You were the first. You church. were the church. <laughs> that was it. You know. <laughs>
1: So um, I wish I knew the statistic. I can't say that I do. Just make I, it up. I know Fake news. Say it with
2: confidence. Nobody's going to fact check you.
1: No. Um, I know I've heard it sometime, but I'm pretty sure that the majority of atheists, mm. uh, people claiming to be atheists, mm. have some form of history mm. with Christianity or another religion, mm. and they've been hurt. Yeah. And that is the reason why well, part of the reason why they've rejected that faith and have accepted atheism. So why do you think that that is so common? Why do you think people give up their, their faith or their commitment to the church um, as a result of church hurt?
2: Well, here's, here's an interesting thought. I would love to hear what, what both of you think about this. I have yet to hear a story from anyone, anyone who has abandoned Christianity that's based on anything directly related to Christianity.
1: Hmm. Like doctrine or right. faith or... Right. Hmm. Yeah.
2: Uh, or at least the original version right. of Christianity, right? So most bad experiences are the result of somebody prioritizing their view over you. Hmm. That's how people get hurt, yeah. right? Is, is when I... Now again I, I agree with what you said Allison. And I wish I could remember the statistic. I'm going to say 80%. Uh <laughs> asterix don't check that out. Um but you know there there's a lot of them that either right. had a death in the family yeah. that that they blamed God for mm-hmm. and, or something that happened at the church and, and I'm a, I'll just I'll be real, I'll be genuine, I'll be just saying transparent. I'm just saying <laughs> the two greatest hurts in my life were at the hands of the church. Yeah right and if and if it was just about me feeling good
1: mm-hmm.
2: or me doing what i wanted to do i wouldn't be in church today yeah you know but yeah i knew at some point it wasn't about those people it was about my relationship with with christ on my own so most bad experiences are are the result of someone prioritizing their view over you and that was something jesus never did and he never instructed us to do that yeah he never, he never prioritized his view over who he was trying to minister to. And those who profit most from status quo are the ones that won't let it go. Mm-hmm. They're the ones that, that sometimes, it's, it's like Paul. Before he was Paul, when he was Saul, he thought he was doing God a favor, right? Mm-hmm. He's going around arresting Christians. He's killing Christians. He's responsible for the death of Christians. And he thinks he's doing right. But then he has this radical transformation on the road to Damascus and realizes, oh, I was putting my view over you. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't think Jesus did that. I don't think he ever told us to do that, you know, um, because what Jesus was doing was not Judaism 2.0. It wasn't that he was teaching another form of Judaism, right? I mean, he was a threat to the current system because he was not putting his mm-hmm. view over you. And so when people give up their Christianity as a result of a church hurt, uh, I, I think a lot of times, number one, they should get their eyes off of people, Yeah. but the church should be more aware that it's, it's not about uh, if they don't look like me, smell like me, talk like me, act like me, then I can't be around them. That's That's not... Jesus never taught that. Right, yeah. Not one time did he ever teach that. A matter of fact, uh, Simon Peter was addressing the council at Jerusalem. And I know you guys remember this. <laughs> uh, Acts chapter 15, verse 10. Simon Peter had been approached by by some of the other disciples and apostles and saying, listen, you know, we're going to the Gentile world and we're expecting them to do what we can't even do right. as Jews. And so here, here's what he said in Acts fifteen, ten. Why Why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have ever been able to bear? Yeah. Why would you ask them to do something we can't do? And yeah. not only us, but our ancestors couldn't do it. And a little later in verse 19, this is what he said. It's my judgment, therefore, that we should not make, a or make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. We shouldn't make it difficult, but we yeah. do. Yeah. Yeah. And I think when we do, it hurts people. I don't think if I walked into a church that 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 had that mindset, I don't think they're like, "Well, let's just see who we can hurt today." Right. But but because of their mindset, of their view over you, that that brings hurt into people's lives, and, and so people get too focused on people. Uh, and, and so when I say that, I'm putting, I'm now putting myself on the other side of people who get hurt. They get hurt because they're focused too much on people, mm. right? I mean, you, uh, the reality is that, that one day there will be a judgment, and in that judgment we all stand before God individually. We don't stand before God as a collective. Right. And you, you would think that the way some people act, that they're going to get judged for what somebody else did. Right. It's, it's not the, that's not, it's the, way not the way I understand it. it. Yeah. You know, you're know, you yeah. going to get judged for what you did. And so I think that that if there are people who give up their Christianity because of church hurts, there's plenty of blame to go around. Mm, right. There's, there's plenty of people. There's people yeah. in the church to be blamed. And and then there. I think the, the person, individual, yeah. he's got some responsibility there. Yeah.
1: And I love how you mentioned Peter because when I think of church hurt in the Bible, I think of whenever... Paul called out Peter for refusing to eat with Gentiles, right? Can you imagine the church hurt there? The rock upon which the church was built was refusing to eat with Gentile people who he was just preaching about how the gospel was open up to them. Can you imagine the hurt uh, in the Gentile people? But if they were to forsake their faith um, in Jesus because of an apostle... Um, of all people of all people being doctrinally wrong yeah would the church have grown yeah. would we would we be here no well
2: and i think too you know to just kind of salt and pepper what you just said <laughs> you know what simon peter was doing was he was acting one way around his jewish buddies mm-hmm. and he was acting another way around his gentile buddies mm-hmm. right and then got to the point like you said where he he wouldn't fellowship with them because he was afraid what everybody else was going to and, I, I, again, I think that might have been, that, that been the model mm-hmm. for what has become the slippery slope of, of the decline of, of who the church is really supposed to be. You know, we—and I, I am not a fan of cliches. I'm really not. But, you know, uh, the, the cliché, well, the, the churches, we are to be fishers of men but not cleaners of the fish. Uh, the bumper sticker that says, you love them. I'll sort it out later, God. I mean, I, I yeah, I, I think that that might be where we're kind of missing it. We we want to to promote doctrine over love, but but Jesus never he never did that. I'm not saying there's not things we should you know, Ten Commandments are a good thing to go by, right? I mean, and some principal precept of the Bible, but. But at some point, I I have to connect with a person that may be an unbeliever or maybe an unchurched person, or maybe be a person that left the church because they got hurt, and for me to connect with them, might take some other avenues other than me just shaking my finger in their face and yeah. quoting scriptures at them. Maybe I need to take them out for a cup of coffee and just treat them like a like a human being. Yeah, exactly. You know, and and then show them the love of Christ. So. Um, I under I understand church hurts. Yeah. Um I I don't wanna go through all the <laughs> the gory details of that, but I understand church hurts. Um but I think that my experience has taught me that when I go through those times, it's not about those other people. Right. It's about my relationship mm-hmm. with God, period. Mm-hmm. And and I have to focus more on that than than I do on the people that have hurt me.
1: Yeah. So um you know, obviously leaving the church because of a church hurt is not the, the best decision, the right decision. That's not what the Bible tells us to do. That's not what God wants for us. So what is an appropriate way to deal with those church hurts? Maybe speak to your experience with that, um, how you get through that in a healthy and biblical way.
2: Well, uh, I think, number one, you got to surround yourself with the right people. Uh, I think one of the greatest errors that people make is that misery loves company. So we want to surround ourselves with people that are going to be on air quotes our side. <laughs> um, and that, sometimes that's not a good, good thing. As a, as a pastor, let me just say as a pastor, if someone at Tri-State Worship Center uh, gets hurt or has gotten hurt, I, the first thing I want them to do is come and talk to me. Just come in my office and sit down, and let's talk about it. I, I don't know why that's hard for people to do. I feel like I feel like that I have an open door policy. People know they can come in my office anytime they want to. I want them to come and talk to me about it because yeah. it could be a lot of things. It could be a legitimate concern,
1: a misunderstanding. It, it could be a misunderstanding. Yeah. You know,
2: it could. I had um, I had someone who came to visit uh, on an Easter when we were over at the old building <laughs> that's now the funeral home. And you guys know sometimes for me to bring a little brevity to a difficult point, I'll use humor. That's, you know, mm. and so I remember, uh, saying something about myself and then I bowed my head and said, poor pastor, <laughs> you know, and everybody, yeah. ha ha, ha. Yeah. Well, afterwards this, this couple come and, and it was the first time they'd ever been there. And I said, uh, you guys going to be coming back, or? Well, no. Uh, we don't like the language you used from the pulpit. They thought I used the word for illegitimate child. Oh. And yeah, but I, that's not. I, I, I
1: mean, think you've told that story on here before. On here? Ma- Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. I don't
2: know. Well, I am old. <laughs> and but still, and yeah. It just it was just not yeah. accurate. But yet they yeah. got they were hurt they left and I I don't know where they landed. I just would want people to come and talk to me. Mm-hmm. You know, how do you get over it, though? How do you, what's the appropriate way for the church to respond to that? I just have to go to a couple of scriptures that I have, and that's Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31, 32. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, we, could, we need to do an episode on forgiveness because <laughs> that, that word has so many people hung up. Forgiving is not telling people it's okay, what you did to me or what you said to me, it's okay. Jesus doesn't forgive us of our sin and then say, you know, I forgive you, but it was okay. That's not what, forgiveness is just letting it go, releasing it. So we got to forgive one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you. And and so we've got to do that. The second scripture that I I want to throw out there, and again, I think this one is misused and misunderstood a lot, Matthew 6, 23 and 24. Therefore, if you, you who are attending a church, if I can put it in today's language, if you are offering your gift at the altar, if you're bringing your sacrifice, if you're praising God at the altar, or if you're putting something in the offering box, And you remember that your brother or your sister has something against you. See, a lot of people think it's the other way around. That if if someone has something against me, they gotta come to me. But that's not what this says. Leave your gift there. Who's to leave their gift there? If you're there and you realize that someone has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. Now, that's if I know that somebody has something against me, that I'm supposed to do that. So let me ask you guys this question. Do you think Jesus was saying that reconciliation with a brother or a sister should come before reconciliation with God? That's what it sounds like. That's what it sounds like. Allison, what do you think?
1: I mean, yeah.
2: (laughs) Let me re- listen, therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar and there you remember that your brother or your sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be yeah. reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift.
1: I think I think what it's saying is in order to be reconciled to God, we should be reconciled to our brother. I don't think brothers. we can
2: be reconciled yeah. Yeah. to God yeah. when there is ought, if mm-hmm. I can use the King James there, <laughs> with someone else, Right. right. Yeah. So... I, I do think that he's saying reconcile with your brother or your sister because that, that, that's Jesus' words, Matthew chapter 6. He was saying that. This was Sermon on the Mount. Yeah. He's saying that vertical love for God is manifested in horizontal love for each other. Someone gets hurt at church. I don't think we should just say, oh, well.
1: Yeah.
2: Right? I mean, I think we have to. And
1: ignore it, yeah. Yeah,
2: we have to try and go and, and restore that, reconcile that, whatever we can do. Now, that doesn't always happen. Mm-hmm. Right. Sometimes, sometimes it's the end of a season for somebody. They need to move on. Yeah, yeah. Right. I and almost, that
1: takes careful discernment oh and time and effort into trying to make that work first.
2: Yes. The being
1: le- being quick to leave ch- leave a church is yeah. never a good decision no. because your emotions cloud your judgment. And I am not trying to um, Be insensitive to church hurts because you know I felt it too. I mean, mine probably haven't been as big as some people's, but you know, I've you been mean hurt. Like been as big as- <laughs> I don't know, I don't yeah. know your church hurts. Oh man, um, but <laughs> Ooh, they're big, yeah. <laughs> but I'm just saying that sure, you know, it could end up being the end of a season, and that is entirely possible, but that is after careful discernment and communion with God and trying to make things reconciled with your brother first and foremost.
2: The least used gift of the spirit discernment. Yeah. We just don't do it. I mean, let me pull another uh, line out of the book Irresistible by by Andy Stanley. He he said there is a golden rule. We all know that, right? Mm -hmm. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. But he thinks there's a platinum rule. I've never heard this before. he said that jesus said as i have loved you you must love one another now somebody could argue well it's really the same thing doing to others as you'd have them doing to you love others as jesus has loved us but i think that there's something about loving others when you go to first corinthians 13 it teaches us a lot patience kindness long suffering don't keep record of wrongs i mean if we could practice that and as a pentecostal church you have the gifts of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians 12. You have the, the practice or the order of service, if you will, in First Corinthians chapter 14. But stuck right there in the middle is 1 Corinthians 13, which is a love chapter, which is really what holds those two together. As long as we can be spiritual, we don't have to be loving. That's the mindset of some people. And it's wrong.
0: And it's not just talking about marriage. No. <laughs> you know, no, no obviously, not the
1: cliche wedding verse. Right, exactly. No. It's
0: obviously used in that respect for a reason, but right. that applies to all of us loving each other,
2: not just the husband and wife. Right. You know? And so I, I think, you know, do unto others as you'd have them done to you, but love others as Jesus loves you. Because think about this. Do you think Jesus' authority for us or his love for us is what drove him to the cross?
0: Obviously, his love. I mean, I think, obviously, he knew that that's, that was his purpose. That was what he was meant to do. But, But, yeah, why else would you put yourself through such excruciating so, pain? So why
2: not take that and, to this level that we're yeah. talking about? It's not about... What kind of authority I as a pastor might have, or or people in leadership might. It's about how we love each other. Matter of fact, the Bible says that that's how the world will know that we're His followers. Our loved one for another. A, it, but but we seem to think that the world's going to know our, our that we're His followers because of what we protest and what we're mad about and what yeah. we're upset about. And it says how we love each other.
0: Yeah.
2: And, and I, I don't know I, I just I think that uh, if you are part of a church. That wants to claim—I'm going to get in trouble here, Allison. Oh, uh, no. What's your email address? I need to put your <laughs> email address. On there. Um, that you celebrate your distinctives—you're—you're you're missing the point. Yeah, it's hmm. not about distinctives; it's about what we have in common. It's what we do together, and love is definitely on that on that list, if not at the top at of that top, list. Yeah, and so I think when it when it becomes the question of how do you respond to a church hurt, I think that we need to be careful on both sides, right? Not to look for uh, what's in it for us as either the person being hurt or if, you know, God forbid, that if the church does hurt other people, uh, we, we need to quit look at what's in it for us, but rather what does love require of us? And again, you go to First to Corinthians 13, you find out what you're required to do. So we got to quit allowing people to have so much Uh, uh, power over us uh, to lead us to a place where we could get hurt. Um, But yet there are those times, and and Allison, you said it perfectly, the season's over, it's time to move on. But you better do that and saturate that with prayer Mm -hmm. and discernment, and you better make sure that you're doing the right thing. Because if you leave for the wrong reason, you're not going to fix anything. You're just taking that trash with you. And you're going to end up leaving there too, wherever that's at. Yeah. And then you're going to take that with you. You need to reconcile it, and if it if it's a fixable situation, you hang in there, and it becomes a great testimony. And if the season's over, the pastor should be able to bless you and say, you know, the the Lord's favor be on you as you travel the, your your journey. Yeah. So
1: it should be an amicable.
2: Absolutely. Thing. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um. But yeah, I think my next two questions kind of like tie into one another. So. Um, how do we do go about viewing the church in a healthy way? I think, um, one of my, one of the things that I have seen throughout Christianity is the use of balance in terms of relationships with people. So balancing, um, you know, we have this knowledge that people are imperfect and they are going to disappoint us. Um, but also being open to being vulnerable and loving people the way that they need to be loved and putting yourself in a position that you have the potential to be hurt. How do, what is a healthy way to view that?
2: Well, uh, any relationship, and, and again, this goes to the second part of the question, any relationship, I don't care if it's a marital relationship, parental uh, sibling, brotherly, whatever, every relationship requires a, an amount of gullibility and vulnerability. Every relationship does. It, let's just use marriage relationship. In a marriage relationship, it's one spouse saying, Here's my heart. I hope that you treat it nicely. But I also realize at any moment in time, you can throw it on the ground, stomp all over it. Mm-hmm. But the risk is worth the reward. I, did I say this one before, too? <laughs>
0: no. Oh. I don't you guys think had not. that look like,
2: hey, old man, you said that before. <laughs> um, but, I, I, you know, I think the risk is worth the reward, right? The, the I, I want to uh, uh, grow old with Vicky, my wife, of 42 years, and so I'm willing to be gullible and vulnerable. I think that that translates to church relationships. I mean, uh, a healthy way to view church or, or uh, to, to somehow find the balance with people, we have to realize it's, it, does, it re- requires us to be vulnerable and, and gullible. But here's, here's I guess the, I'll answer the question with a question.
1: Hmm. Uh,
2: what did the first century Christians know that we don't? What did they know that we don't seem to get? Well, I mean, what made their faith so compelling and so resilient that in the end, they were able to attract hmm. thousands, yeah. thousands. And what is that that we don't get?
1: I think it was that their hope was in Jesus and not in people.
2: Yeah. How many thousands of people came to know Jesus before there was a Bible? Right. So again, the vertical love is manifested in horizontal love, how we love each other, Right, and that love requires a certain about a certain amount of vulnerability, and you can see it in in the way that Jesus's ministry was. Jesus, uh, he, he there there were people that were nothing like him, that liked him, right? Yeah. And, and Jesus liked people who were nothing were like nothing him. Nothing like him. Yeah. Do we see that? In today's church world, do we see that in Christianity? We should. We should see it more than we do. We we should, but I don't know that we do. You know, Jesus invited... Listen to this. If you... I can't... I don't... I'm not the guy to kick dirt. I'm really not. But it, Jesus invited unbelieving, misbehaving, troublemaking men and women to follow him and to embrace something new, and they accepted his invitation. Yep. I mean... Think, of it. He, he liked people that were not like him and people liked him that were not like him. But yet, I don't know that we grasp that. And I think a lot of times it's because we play the cards too close to the vest. Is that, do you get that one, Alice? I mean,
1: yeah. I, I've never heard it, but I understand the <laughs> reference.
2: Right. Thank you. Thank you. She said that with a little attitude now. She's like, okay, enough with the young people. I get it. She's going to start making fun of me repeating myself a lot more often. Um, You know, and so that's how I think, how do we balance that? How do we do that? I I think that not only does a person who is coming to faith in the Lord or coming to, but the church has to be vulnerable. We have to be gullible. Yeah. Stephen Brothers, I'm calling you out, Stephen. <laughs> Stephen's a big boy. And if I've, if I've told this story before, you guys just let me say it, okay? Okay, okay. Uh, we're almost done. <laughs> um, Stephen's bigger than I I'm a big he, guy. I'm 6'2", yeah. two, 200, none of your business pounds. But <laughs> oh. he's bigger than that, right? Yes. yes. And he came into my office one day. He sat down and he goes, I'm going to tell you what's wrong with you. <laughs> oh. Yeah. And I said, uh, okay, we'll bring it on. I'm listening. <laughs> yeah. He said, you try to see the best in people and it's just not always there. Now I, that was a great compliment. As far as I was concerned, it's a great compliment. And what he meant was, is I just stick with people when yeah. they, they'll let me down. They'll, it could be people in the church, people outside the church. I just believe that the next time's going to be the right time. Right. You know, yeah. uh, and I think that's what Jesus, that's what Jesus did. That's I'm, exactly I'm not, what I'm Jesus not, I'm is. I'm not Jesus. Okay. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm not Caress. I'm not Jim Jones. I'm, not, I'm just saying. I think that's what we're supposed to that's be doing. That's what we're supposed to do. Yeah. yeah. And. I, I just can't give up on anybody ever. I just can't do it. I don't know how to do it. Mm-hmm. I understand. And I think it requires a little bit of vulnerability, gullibility to say, I think this person's gonna get it.
1: Right. But the only way that you can do that is because your relationship with God is secure. And that is where your hope is. Absolutely. Yeah.
2: And and that's the bigger element, the little bitty dynamic on the side is is that someone did that for me.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah.
2: You know, I was, I was a heathen as a teenager, but there was a youth pastor at the church that I grew up in that would not leave me alone.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> would not leave me alone. <laughs> Kept calling, wanting to go get a hamburger, wanting to do this, wanting to do this, would not leave me alone. Uh, and so, yes, my relationship with God is secure enough that, that I I know who I am and what He's called me to do, and I know the avenues that He wants me to take to accomplish what it is He's called me to do. But also, someone did that for me, Yeah. and so that, that helps yeah. me.
1: But I like how you said that that was a small part of it, of a bigger part, because I think that's where so many people fall away, is because people that—that that small part, those people who that they put up on a pedestal— Fail them, Mm -hmm. and then they lose it all because they didn't have that bigger part of understanding that God is perfect, but He uses imperfect people. Oh, He does. Yeah. So I think that, yeah, you know, it's amazing that people are used to touch our lives. I mean, I've had that happen in my life. You've you've been that person for me several times. But thank you. (laughs) But I know that you are imperfect. And I know that if I put, if you were Jim Jones, if, I, if you were Jim Jones, then you would fail me. I would drink yes. the Kool-Aid and oh, be dead. That.
2: Yeah. Do, <laughs> so, do that.
1: so that is why it is so important to have that intimate relationship right. with God.
2: Right. And, and cliche warning to tag on to that, you know, a church without broken people mm-hmm. is a broken church. I yeah. mean, we, I, we are all broken people. And I think that for us to be able to uh, to find our place with the Lord, to do the things He's called us to do, uh, and and to get out there and say, "Yes, I'm I am willing, Lord." I mean, think of think of all the people that Jesus dealt with in His ministry. Yeah, you know, I oh mean, boy. yeah, exactly. And, and yeah. but yet, yeah, bring that into today's world. Yeah, and think of what that would look like today. Now, if you've got that picture in your mind, get busy. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. get busy. Right, Right. Amen. So, last question. Okay. Wrap us up. How do we do better? What, what, <laughs> we're falling short here. The church needs improvement. I know we've been taught, we've touched on it, but do you have any other um, things you want to say
2: about that? Well, you know, uh, uh, again, I think we go back to the instruction book, mm-hmm. the Bible, which should give us some really good instruction on how to be the church that, that God's called us to be. Uh, I, I think we go back to the one who modeled church life for us, which was Jesus, and try to—I mean, to be a Christian is to be Christ-like. Um, and unfortunately, some people have, have, have said that Christianity is to, you know, be a model of Christ, which unfortunately, that's—I I disagree with that. That's a small imitation of the real thing. I don't think that's what we're supposed to be. I think we're supposed to be the real thing. And so we go back to the instruction book, and we go back to the one who modeled it for us. We pray, and we ask God not to change the other people. God, change me. Change right. me. Uh, you know, let, let this community be changed, but let that change start with me. I wish I could remember who it was. It was one of the pioneer evangelists. I want to say his, his last name was Smith, but I might have that wrong. He drew a circle on concrete with a piece of chalk. And he stood in the middle of it. He said, Lord, start a revival and start it in this circle. And I think, yes, that's, we, I can't change anybody. I can help. I can try to influence. I can try, but I can't change anybody. I can change me in hopes that that'll become a catalyst to other people changing. Mm -hmm. And so I think we go to the instruction booklet. We go to the one who modeled. We pray. We ask God to change us. Um, And in our post-Christian culture, making better churches is not the answer. The answer is a return to a resurrected, centered church, a gospel church. It's not about just making a better church. It's about becoming a, a church that is centered around the good news of Jesus Christ. But yet we've allowed that circle to get so big. We've allowed all these distinctives that I mentioned earlier. We've allowed them to, to kind of take place of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you know?
0: It, it's almost a... Look. Let's get back to the basics. Let's do it. You know,
2: yes. Who yes. was that in a movie? Maybe.
0: Oh, could have been. <laughs> Probably was. Probably.
2: <laughs> but you know, I I just let let me read. I got one thing I want to read to you real quick. I just brought it, and we'll finish up. When when we find ourselves uh, with church hurts, whether you know whether we are on the receiving end of it or we are the ones that's causing it, I read this this little story. Um, the writer of of this particular story said, "If you mistreat one of my kids, don't invite me to lunch because I'm not going. If you mistreat my kids, don't pretend that everything is okay between us because it's not. You can buy me gifts, you can send me flowers, you can offer to loan me your beach house. I won't do in, it won't do any good. You can sing me songs on Sunday. You can praise my holy name and tithe ten percent of your income but that won't help you either until you make things right with my son or my daughter, things will not be right between us.
1: Mm.
2: Now, obviously we can make that, that parallel that that's what God's saying. Listen, if you, if you have been mean or talked about one of my children, Mm -hmm. don't act like everything's okay between us because it's not, you need to go make that right. right, Yeah. And then, and then we're back in, in right relationship, right standing uh, uh, with him. So, uh, church hurts are real. Uh, I wished I could apologize for those, but I I would go against my own uh, spiritual thinking. I can't apologize for, I can apologize for the ones I've done, if I've done some, but I can't apologize. But I do know this, the church is not here to hurt people. The church is here to share the good news, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, so that people don't have to worry about going into a Christless eternity. Mm. And that's what we should be busy doing.
1: Yeah. Amen. Yeah. That's, That's all good. I got
2: to say about that. Just
1: saying. Just, <laughs> Just saying. Just saying, yeah.
2: Let's choose that. That sounds
1: good. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thank you guys for joining us for another episode. If you have any questions you would like mentioned, um, email us at twagner977 at gmail.com, and we will get to your questions. We love you guys. Thanks.
2: See you.